0: Hi, this is Nathan, and you're listening to A Public Church Podcast. We would love to connect with you on social media at A Public Church, or you can visit our website, publicchurch.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you guys so much for being here. Before we have a seat, could we let our kids know how much we love seeing them here? It's great seeing these families. That's awesome. And I just want to say happy Father's Day. Now, with that being said, I completely understand that this day brings a lot of hurt for some people people who maybe you don't know your dad, or you have a strained relationship with your dad, people who have even recently lost their dads. So know that we we sit with you in your pain, we feel you, and we acknowledge your hurt today. And we also just want to honor the men in our church family who are investing in our lives. Whether or not they hold the title dad, they are investing in us. So can we just honor those men and make some noise for the men in our lives? <laughs> And I'm just going to pray for those who are hurting today and pray for our men. And then afterwards, you guys can have a seat. So Jesus, I thank you that on this day we can both sit in pain and honor people. I pray for those who are hurting, who recognize that today's a day where they wish someone else was here. Maybe that person was here for a season. Maybe they were never there. But I pray that you would bring comfort to them and show us as a church how we can come alongside people in their pain with empathy. And Jesus, we just pray for the men of, of our church family, the men of our community, Men, we are needed. And I just pray that you would empower us to be brave, to be courageous, to be men of integrity and honor, men who, who desire more than anything else to become like you, Jesus. Let us be men of the word, men who prioritize that and who let you change us from the inside out. So we love you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. You guys can have a seat. Man, it is awesome to be here, whether you are watching. It lets you know if you're watching, then the sun starts like right past the camera. And so I'm not really sure how I got fortunate enough to be in the shade, but I am grateful today. Just saying, I've been talking to some people. I feel like next week we may have some beach umbrellas. Anybody? Scattered about with some kids on blankets. I think that would be absolutely awesome. But today we are starting a new series and and we're going to be talking about racism, And so as I say that, I want to let you know the backdrop of public church, kind of where we've been at as a church. From the very beginning, we said that we want to make racists uncomfortable in how we act here. We've also said last summer, and we've said it since then, that there is no room for racism in the Jesus movement. So this has been something that's been on our radar. It's not brand new to us. It's part of who we are as a church. But at the same time, in this season, we're realizing that we have got to do more. And that there is room for growth in how we fight for justice. Now, as I say that, I can feel the tension on the lawn. And if you're in your living room, I can imagine the tension that you may be feeling in your living room, maybe even amongst your family. And here's what's hard about that tension is some of us are coming at the tension from totally different ends of the spectrum. Some of you are thinking, why are we still talking about this? Could we just move on and and get on with our normal lives? Others of you, are thinking, man, I hope he says more than he has before. I hope he doesn't dance around any issues. So that it's tense, but it's necessary. And so I just want to speak to the Jesus followers for just a moment and say this. Jesus followers, this series will be ineffective unless we allow the Holy Spirit to work inside of us. This is not a change that we can do out of our own grit and determination. We must let the Holy Spirit have free reign in us. And for those of you who don't follow Jesus, you may be thinking, cool, I'm out because I don't follow Jesus. So so why should I listen? And I just want to invite you to lean in. It's my hunch that for some of you who don't follow Jesus, one of the reasons is how the church has handled this very issue. And as we go throughout this series and you see who Jesus really is, you see the full message of Jesus, I'm just believing that some of you guys are gonna actually choose to follow Jesus when you see who He really is and you see His heart for justice. So here's how we're starting this series. We're gonna start with a prayer. The beautiful thing about being on the lawn is you can pray this prayer however you want to. It's Psalm 139 if you wanna go there in your Bible or Bible app. Verses 13 and 14. This is the prayer for the series. And so some of you may want to literally get on your knees. That's what I'm going to do. Some of you may want to stand. If you're in your living room, you may want to get on your knees. You may just want to remain seated. You can respond however you want. But this prayer is our heart for the series. And I know that you may not all have a copy of it. So I'm going to lead us in it one phrase at a time. You can say it aloud or you can say it quietly. And even if this is the first prayer you've ever prayed, I invite you to pray this prayer. Psalm 139, 13 and 14 simply says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me, and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So that's our prayer for this series. So if you would, if you want to get down on your knees, this is the moment to do that. And I'll lead us in in a phrase at a time. Let's pray. Search us, God. Know our hearts. (laughs) Test us, (laughs) and know our anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in us, Father, and lead us in the way everlasting. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the title of our series is called Choosing to Stay. The subtitle is Remaining in the Fight for Justice. Here's the reality. For those of us who are white, and that's me in case you're like trying to figure it out because the shadows, I'm white. So for those of us who are white, we can enter and exit the battle for justice. And I stand up and say, I have exited far too much. That privilege is not accessible to our black sisters and brothers because they can't stop being black. So every single day of their lives, they have to come face-to-face with systemic racism, with racism in our nation. They don't have the privilege to step out. So as a church, this series is an act of repentance. And it's saying, we have stepped out in the past, but this time we are choosing to stay. And so that's the heart of this series. And if you're unfamiliar with the term repentance, repentance means that we turn and walk in a new direction. And repentance starts like this repentance must always begin on our knees which is why we started either with that posture in our hearts or literally on our knees with our prayer for the series the prayer is the first action and then as we get up off our knees we walk in a new direction our church actually took a step of repentance on Friday as we celebrated Juneteenth on social media that was a step of repentance for us sadly Myself and a whole lot of us didn't even know about that holiday until recently. And that's because we have a lot to learn. We have to educate ourselves. Juneteenth is not the day that the slaves were declared free. It's the day that the last slaves in Texas actually got the word that they were free after the declaration of freedom had already happened. And so that was an act of repentance. In my life, I recognize that I have a lot to listen and learn. My friend Chris Walker has recommended this book that I'm reading, Stamped from the Beginning by Dr. Ibram X. Kendi. And I'm reading that as an act of repentance. And I recognize that at this point, some of you may be ready to tune out. Either just click off if you're watching. Some of you may be ready to go, I am not coming back until this series is over. I may not come back ever. I understand that because you think that I'm speaking on some peripheral issue and you're sitting there going, why don't you just preach the gospel? So we want to have a front door conversation about that exact tension this morning. And so what is the gospel? That's the question we have to ask. The gospel is the good news. In its simplest form, it literally means good news. It's the good news of Jesus. The fact that God became human and His name was Jesus, and He lived a perfect life, and then He died on the cross, even though He was perfect, to pay the penalty for our sins, to suffer the consequences of our sins, but death could not hold Him. And so Jesus rose from the dead, conquering death, and He offers us life, life through forgiveness from our sins, life through a relationship with the God who created us. This is the good news of the gospel. And so, this raises some questions. When I surrender to Jesus, because the invitation of the gospel is that we would surrender to Jesus, that we would follow Jesus because He died and rose again. When I surrender to Jesus, what does that mean? What is the holistic gospel? What is the full scope of the gospel? When I begin to follow Jesus, do I just simply get a ticket to go into heaven when I die and I can do whatever I want? Is the gospel just about my personal sin and my personal relationship with Jesus? Or does it have some impact on how I interact with others? Does it have anything to do with the battle against racism, with the battle for justice? It actually has everything to do with that. But don't take my word for it. We're going to go on a journey, and we're going to see the long arc of the story of God. We're going to begin in Genesis chapter 12, if you want to go there. And we're going to ask ourselves, okay, what is the holistic gospel? Because the reality is it impacts our everyday life, every single part of us. So we're going to begin with Genesis chapter 12 and see what's going on at the beginning. Genesis 12 verse 1, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. Here's the key phrase for us today. All the families on earth will be blessed through you at the very beginning and I wish we had time just to go into what exactly the Abrahamic covenant was it's amazing we are actually living in the promise right now for those of us who follow Jesus we are here because of this promise that was made to Abraham thousands of years ago and here's what God said Abraham I'm going to choose your people the Jews I'm going to make you a great nation and here's the key all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you It's not about this one people group. It's about all the nations. It's about people everywhere. So that's where it starts. And then in Romans chapter eight, Paul, an incredible theologian, a church planner, he said, hey, I wanna make sure you understand the full scope of everything going on. And in verse 19, he says, for all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Wait a second, we're talking about the gospel. Why are we talking about creation? Let's just get into it. Keep reading. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as His adopted children, including the new bodies He has promised us. What is Paul saying here in Romans chapter 8? Paul is saying that all creation gets in on the restoration that God is offering. That all of creation is groaning. That even means the systems of this world need to be restored. That one day, all of it, nature, the systems, everything will be restored through Jesus because of who He is and because of what He's done. And then we get a glimpse of the end in Revelation chapter 5. We get a vision into heaven. And in Verse nine, it says, and they sang a new song with these words. They're talking about Jesus. That Jesus, you're worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God. And they will reign on the earth. That Jesus died for people from every tribe Every nation, every people group, every color. And that's what we see in heaven. And then to make sure we really get to the end, in Revelation 21, verse 1, it all ties in. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. Verse 5, Jesus said, Look, I am making everything new. In the end, we see that creation's groaning is satisfied. We have a new heaven, a new earth. Everything is restored. And then it says this. It talks about the city, the capital city of the kingdom of God. In verse 24, it says, The nations will walk in its light, and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. Notice this in verse 26. And all the nations will bring their glory and their honor into the city. When we get a glimpse of the end, when everything's restored, we're told that all the nations will bring their glory. You know what it's talking about in their glory? It's talking about the diversity the various colors and customs, their culture, that this is part of their glory and they're gonna bring it into the city of God and they're gonna be honored. So when we look at the long arc of the story of God, when we look at the holistic gospel, here's what we see. And if you're taking notes, you may wanna write this down. The gospel is not colorblind. The gospel is colorful. The gospel is not colorblind. The gospel is colorful. That's one of the reasons that we love that our international friends network, or as we call it, IFN, that they're meeting again on our campus for Conversation Corner. If you're unfamiliar with them, they get together to form friendships and, and to have a chance to practice their English. And it's beautiful. And honestly, it's the best picture of heaven that we as public church provide. It's when they gather. They, they have people who have family back in Afghanistan, in Iran, and Turkey, and Cuba. And I'm just scratching the surface of all the nations that are represented there. The gospel is not colorblind. I've heard well-meaning people say, well, we just need to look past color. We don't need to see it. And I understand if if that's what you've been taught, you, you mean well, and whoever taught you that meant really well, but that's just not the gospel. The gospel is not colorblind. The gospel is colorful. And one day, the glory of the nations will be on display when everything is restored at the end. And that glory is found in our Diversity. So Whitney and I have a couple of friends that have told us as we listen to them, they said there's certain environments that we walk into and we feel like we have to temper our blackness. There's certain white environments that when we walk into them, we know, okay, if, if we're just ourselves, if we're just too black, then we're gonna get called to, hey, get back in line, you're in the white world, kind of. And I'm just wondering, the reality is that they're gonna worship through their blackness in the end. That when Jesus restores all things, part of their blackness is going to be the glory that they are bringing on display as they worship Jesus. So why would we be so arrogant as to temper something that will one day be celebrated in the colorful kingdom of God? And so we ask ourselves, if we look at the holistic gospel, if we look at the long arc of the story of God, well, what is injustice anyway? and injustice is anything that prevents the promise of Genesis 12 from becoming the reality of Genesis or Revelation 21 injustice is anything that prevents the promise of Genesis 12 from becoming the reality of Revelation 21 that means that racism is an injustice and it is not peripheral it is central to the colorful gospel so Jesus came <laughs> And here's what Jesus did. Jesus' life and death makes a way for the promise of Genesis 12 to become the reality of Revelation 21. And Jesus says, come on, church, would you join me in making that reality happen? In fact, when Jesus' disciples asked him to pray, you know what he said? He said, pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus came to bring the unity of heaven, the diversity of heaven to earth. And he says, would you help me? Justice, racism. These things are not peripheral to the gospel. This is central to the gospel. And what we're going to do for the next couple of weeks is we're going to dive into a story in John chapter four. If you want to go ahead and read it ahead of time, that would be awesome. The sad part about this story in John chapter 4 is that people like me have often whitewashed it. They've deleted the racial overtones that are very intentionally put in this story through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit written by John, an eyewitness and the author of this story. In fact, let's just be honest. Even what we call it is whitewashing it. We just call it the woman at the well. Where if you read the text, it's very clear that over and over, it's like, it's not a woman, it's a Samaritan woman. Because John wanted us to see the racial overtones. So really, we shouldn't call it the woman at the well. It's the Samaritan woman at the well to make sure that we're not missing the details that Jesus wanted us to grasp. And so we're going to dig into that. But I just want to hit a couple highlights today as we close. In John chapter 4, verse 10, he's having a conversation he never should have had with this lady. And Jesus says this, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you were speaking to, You would ask me and I would give you living water. And you're like, I don't understand the story. We're going to get there next week. Just know this, that Jesus says, hey, the gospel is for you. I know there's centuries of animosity and racism between Jews and Samaritans. And the Samaritans were on the outside looking in. But Jesus shows up and says, actually, in the long arc of the story of God, my life and death, I showed up. In order to take the promise of Revelation 12, or excuse me, of Genesis 12, and make it the reality of Genesis 21. And in this moment, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm offering you the colorful gospel. And then at the end of this story, and we're gonna to skip to the end, Jesus says some stuff that honestly I haven't really understood. And I feel better because the disciples didn't get it either. And so whenever they don't get it, it makes me feel better about not getting it because they were like literally there with them. And so they had gone into the city to get some food because they probably couldn't have handled. The fact, the way that Jesus was tearing down racial barriers in his conversation, and we'll get into that. But they come back and they've got some food and they're like, Jesus, you need to eat. And Jesus is like, I have food that you know nothing about. And they're like, Did somebody bring him Chick fil A? Like, what's the deal? Like he sent us to get food, like what's going on? And then Jesus says this in verse 34. He says, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. Here's the reason Jesus isn't eating. He's too excited to eat. Now raise your hand if you have never experienced that feeling. Like you can always eat, raise your hand. People are like, okay, some of you like, I don't really know that feeling. Now, when I speak, I don't really like to eat until, a lot until afterwards. But like the feeling of like I'm too excited to eat, I don't get that very often. I, I just enjoy food. But Jesus is like on cloud nine. And here's what he wants them to get. He says, come on, guys, we're in an agricultural society. He said, you know how to read the signs of nature. You can tell when it's harvest time. And he says, come on, look around. Where do we look around? Look around in a place of racism, of systemic racism. We're in the middle of Samaria. Look around in the midst of all the injustices and all the inequality. And I want you to see that right here, there's an opportunity. That right here, the harvest is ripe. And Jesus was begging his disciples to look around. I think he's begging his church to look around too. And Jesus tells us the stakes, now, the stakes. Next, in verse 36, the harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. What is Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying, hey guys, here's the stakes, eternal life. There are going to be people that are going to choose to follow Jesus because of how we as a public church repent. It's going to happen. Because the reality is how we handle racism, how we handle injustice is either pointing people to Jesus or it's pushing them farther away. And we have to understand a little bit of the history, like in the history of this nation, the church was not complicit in slavery. The church was leading the way into slavery with racist theology. We have some repenting to do. And that's what this series is about. Because Jesus says, if we'll start on our knees, search me, oh God, know my heart. See if, know my anxious thoughts, know my anxiety. See if there's any offensive way in me. If we will repent and then if we will get up from prayer, the first action and walk in a new direction, we are going to point people to Jesus. That's exactly what happened here. In fact, there's, there's a revival in this village. It's incredible, but we need to understand The path to seizing this moment for Jesus is the path to seizing this moment for us. And here's what happened. In verse 40, the people had come out to see Him and they begged Him to stay in their village. So He stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear His message and believe. To reap the harvest, Jesus and His disciples had to choose to stay. For us to reap the harvest, we have to say, I am choosing to stay. I may have stepped in and out in the past, but I'm going to remain in the fight for justice because fighting against racism, fighting for justice, it is not this peripheral issue. It is central because Jesus showed up to make the promise of Genesis 12 the reality of Revelation 21. And we, be a part of bringing that unity in the future into our spheres of influence today will we choose to stay so public worship is going to come up and i'm just going to invite us to actually end the talk the same way we begin it simply by praying psalm 139 13 and 14 by opening ourselves up for repentance and as we get ready to pray that i just want to say if you don't follow jesus you can text this number, 423-665-9317 because today you may have gotten a glimpse of who Jesus is. You may say, okay, I wanna follow Him. I get the holistic gospel now and I wanna give my life to the Jesus who's at the center of this movement for justice, whether anybody realizes it or not. And if that's you, our team would love to talk with you. And for all of us, I just invite us to start, to end the way we started. If you wanna get on your knees, if you wanna stand, but let's just pray this prayer. And I'll say it one phrase at a time so that way you can repeat it. So let's pray a prayer of repentance. Jesus, here we are on our knees. And here's our prayer. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there is any offensive way in me. And Jesus, lead me in the way everlasting.